0: good evening everyone welcome to tatami room i'm your host martin this is episode 10 the kagoshima experience this week i went to kagoshima city with a couple of my friends from back home in Washington, and uh, we got to go around and explore Kagoshima City. And even though I've been to Kagoshima City um, quite a few times at this point, it's always been kind of a touch and go. Um, I'll take the ferry into the port and then travel somewhere else, Um, so I've never really had the chance to fully kind of do an immersive dive and uh, really explore what Kagoshima City has to offer. So that's what I'll be talking about this week. Um, The Stoic quote for today is, If you accomplish something with hard work, the labor passes quickly, but the good endures. If you do something shameful in pursuit of pleasure, the pleasure passes quickly, but the shame endures. This quote is by Masonius Rufus. I found it quite interesting, and I hope you do too. I wanted to give you all a quick update before we jump into the daily life section. I uh, told everyone that I would be going uh, sober for the month of October, um, sober October. Um, I'm still going strong, sort of, um, after uh, letting one of my friends know that I would be uh, going sober. Um, Later in the evening, they proceeded to hand me a drink, which I did not realize was alcoholic. I should have known, but I took a sip and then later she was like, "Oh, wait, how much alcohol does this have again?" And I was like, "Oh, well, there goes uh there goes nothing, I suppose." Um, but I guess I'm, I'm not going to count that. save for a, a sip. Um, I've been uh, I've been dry and uh been pretty happy. So, yeah, that's just kind of funny that I uh, I told my friend literally about an hour before that whole thing happened. I was like, "Hey, I'm kind of doing this uh, this challenge and whatnot and then I think they forgot and then I just didn't know that that was an alcoholic beverage so um, no harm no foul but with that out of the way let's get into the daily life section all right welcome back everyone let's get to the daily life section where I'll be talking about my time in Kagoshima City Uh, we kind of hit up uh, three big things while we were in kagoshima those being the hot springs sakurajima and the aquarium my favorite i have to say has to be the hot springs that we kind of squeezed in um on the last day uh which is saturday um funny enough these hot springs are actually um in Ibuski, which is uh, a smaller town about an hour's drive south but if you're a fan of onsen in general, I highly recommend um, the hot springs in Ibuski because they're incredibly unique. They're home to the world's one and only natural sand bath. Um, And so what that means is you take all your clothes off, put on a yukata or some robes, and you kind of get into this sand pit. Some workers shovel some sand over you Um, obviously not over your face but the rest of your body and basically these sands are geothermally heated and just staying inside them or just kind of laying down in them for about 10 minutes has been shown to have uh, beneficial and positive health effects and so it's been quite a popular uh, tourist attraction or just attraction in general uh, for some time now and uh, my friends and I we thoroughly enjoyed it I think if you're a fan of going to the onsen or hot springs in general I highly recommend it Um, personally I've been liking going to onsen here in Japan or hot springs Um, I don't know I find the environment very calming and relaxing the way that a normal onsen uh, would work is you'd go in uh, without any clothes on first you uh, take a shower um, you kind of clean yourself before getting into um, getting into this pool that has kind of geothermally heated water um, that comes out of the earth um, some depends on the onsen that you go to but some have water that they store and then reheat or heat even more and some have kind of pools that have the uh, water as it comes out at, at its natural temperature well, yeah, so you kind of bathe in there for a little bit um then you come out you take a shower again uh clean yourself off and then uh yeah put your clothes back on and you're good to go but yeah so i've been really enjoying that and i thought that having that in addition to kind of sand bathing was a really cool experience so highly recommend it another fun thing we did is going to sakurajima sakurajima is an active volcano that is a 15-minute ferry ride uh, from Kagoshima City. So my friends and I we took our rental car um, packed some stuff and uh, We went ahead and explored kind of the area right at the base of Sakurajima. I went on a couple nice walks over there Um, Sakurajima is great. I think it's a nice contrast to Kagoshima where the city is still in sight And Kagoshima City is kind of, uh, I'd say, like a medium to big-ish city. And so when you're in the city, it's kind of noisy. But even just a 15-minute ferry ride, and you're in at Sakurajima, and it is very serene, uh, very peaceful and quiet. Um, It's great scenery as well. You also have a bunch of like lava rocks. So I thought it was really cool. Um, Also, if you're in Kagoshima again, Sakurajima is another place that I recommend. Finally, we also hit up the local aquarium um it has i think it's like io world aquarium i'm not sure if it's like world famous um or not or whether that's just the name but in any case i had a fun time i don't think i've gone to an aquarium in quite some time so got to feel uh got to feel a little younger again which is fun um i'd say one of my friends was saying that they did not like the dolphin show that much but personally we ended up watching the dolphin show about like 20 minutes long and uh i i thought it was uh i thought it was good fun um i think dolphins are great animals very smart animals and just kind of watching them perform and do tricks i thought it was a cool experience what surprised me the most was how, how high these animals can jump out of water like it's that's quite astonishing um i'd say they can get up to like a good four or five meters out of the water um at least based off of what i saw so that was (laughs) that was kind of shocking um and i had fun another fun part of the aquarium was they had this kind of dark room uh with this uh quiet and uh i don't know what kind of ambiance but it was a good ambiance and inside this big tank they had a bunch of fish swimming around and it was like this really big tank that you could kind of walk up to it's a whale shark in there um yeah and it was just a really cool vibe um my friends and i really enjoyed it a lot so those are kind of the big attractions that we went to i would say that if you're in kagoshima then hopping down to Ibuski is worth it for the hot springs going to sakurajima very worth it it's literally a 15 minute ferry ride and the ferry is very inexpensive, uh, especially if you don't take a car. And the aquarium, I think that is one of uh, kind of Kagoshima's more famous things, is the aquarium. So I also recommend giving it a visit. Um, yeah, I think uh, my friends and I, we had good fun going to all those places. One place that was kind of unexpected for me, but uh, I had a lot of fun at, was the arcade. So my friends and I went to the arcade a couple of times. And we just played with some claw machines. The claw machines were a lot of fun. I I feel like going to the arcade alone um, and just putting hundred yen after hundred hundred yen into you know claw machines is uh, a little bit depressing. But um, I had a lot of fun going with friends. I think kind of changed my view on the arcade and claw machines in general instead of like oh it's a scam to that's set up to kind of make you lose money it's like you know if you're going with friends and you're just having some banter then you know i think it's a really fun place and uh they are kind of uh i feel like there's a lot of arcades at least what i've seen throughout japan so i think it's a fun activity like i said i wouldn't go um <laughs> by myself but i think just going with a group um yeah it was it was good fun and we actually ended up uh, winning some stuff from the claw machines as well. So now I got a random Pokemon. I don't, I don't even know its name. But, you know, I'm just <laughs> I'm just happy that I won something. The final thing I wanted to talk about um, in this section was this sushi restaurant that we went to. Um, first, I wanted to describe kind of the experience that I had. And then just kind of some general tips and recommendations that I have in like if you are going to, if you're planning on visiting a uh, kind of a high-end sushi restaurant in Japan In any case, to to start off with my experience, this restaurant was called, I think, Iwasaki Sushi um, kind of in downtown Kagoshima and hands down, like very easily, um, front-runner, best sushi that I've ever had and I feel like I've definitely had it, I feel like I've had it in Europe, definitely had it in America and I've had some sushi here in Japan as well, but this was kind of a um, like a, a sushi specialty establishment, um, and it was a kind of a higher-end sushi restaurant. And so my friends and I went our last evening, and uh, yeah, no, the food was absolutely amazing. We all, the three of us, each got the um, kind of omakase plate. Um, omakase means like chef's choice, dealer's choice. And so it's a little bit more expensive, but I think it's really cool because basically you get to watch this sushi chef perform their art, uh, their culinary art, and you get to kind of partake in it by eating it at the end. Instead of like, oh, like ordering off of a menu, um, you kind of get get presented with uh, with the art that the chef makes. Um, it's a, it's a little bit loss of autonomy. You don't get to kind of pick and choose exactly what you want, but I enjoyed that it was kind of random, like, each, like, the sushi chef would kind of put out pieces of sushi one after the other and tell us whether we could dip it in uh, soy sauce or not, um, and each piece was different, and I was just, I was always kind of looking forward to, ooh, what's, what's the next one going to be? Um, it was also incredibly fresh, <laughs> fresh to the point of one of the shrimps, shrimp-like uh, creatures uh, that we had the sushi with it was literally like I think killed or yeah it was was killed 15 seconds prior to us uh, or the sushi chef kind of preparing it so when we got it set on our plate the 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 tail of that creature was still kind of wobbling about and whatnot so I don't know how I feel about that it was kind of moving around a little bit in my mouth as well Um, but I mean it's a it's a cool experience so Um, Yeah, and it still tasted great. This was, like I mentioned, this was kind of a nice sushi restaurant. So it was on the pricier end. And I think if you get omakase, so like the dealer's choice, it is a little bit pricier. Um, You know, instead, I mean, that's like you're paying someone to, you know, do their art is kind of how I would explain the price increase from, like, omakase to, like, just, like, something that you order off of the menu, um, and, you know. In any case, I want to also talk a little bit about some sushi etiquette that I learned partially, um, while I was at at the restaurant, and just kind of, um, yeah, I thought it would be important to, or cool to share with you all. Um, one thing that you should not do at a sushi restaurant is adjust the omakase. So my friends did have, like, some things that they disliked um, quite a lot that they asked, like, the the chef. So, hey, we're going to order the omakase, but please leave, like, I think, like, eel um, unagi out of it. Um, And so that was fine. Um, Like, the chef obliged, but generally, if you're ordering, you know, the omakase plate, don't, you should not be telling the chef, like, You know adjust this adjust that like no the whole point is like they get to kind of do their own thing and so you should you really shouldn't uh, interfere in it unless you like need to obviously if you have like a an allergy or some dietary restriction then uh, definitely let them know but yeah just as a general rule of thumb try not to you know adjust the omakase also this is something that my friends told me is that the hand that you're not using, uh, to eat with, um, so the hand that's not holding chopsticks should remain on the table at all times. Um, it's kind of palm flat, face down. Um, not sure the exact reason for this, but, um, I guess it's a thing. Um, and so, yeah, if you want to have perfect table manners at the restaurant, then, um, yeah, there you go. Also, one thing that you should do is use a conservative amount of, conservative amount of soy sauce. Um, this is so you don't spill. Uh, it's also so that you don't kind of completely drown out the taste of the sushi and replace it with soy sauce taste. Um, yeah, and you want to be you want to be clean and orderly, and just putting out a bunch of soy sauce into this little plate that they give you. Yeah, not a good look and not conducive to you know, eating in a cleanly manner. Um, Also, the soy sauce can be expensive, and if you pour a bunch out, and you have a bunch left over at the end, that's like gonna be wasted. So it's better just be conservative with it. Just pour a little bit. If you run out, pour a little bit more. Another thing that you should know if you're visiting a uh, sushi restaurant, um, you will receive a hand towel at the beginning and at the end. Um, I'm not entirely sure, I think there's some restaurants that only give one towel, but at the restaurant we were at, we received a cold hand towel in the beginning, and a hot hand towel at the end, uh, these are not napkins, so don't, don't really, at least I don't think so, Don't I wouldn't treat them as such, and then mostly for your hands to kind of clean them off, um, and also don't just kind of crumple them up and throw them to the side once you're done there should be a little like holder for you to kind of roll the little hand towel back up and put it on um and yeah it's if you get like soy sauce on your hand or something you just kind of uh, it shouldn't it should be next to you while you're eating um another thing that i thought um or my friends kind of informed me is that um you should talk to the sushi chef um at least a little bit while you're eating so like coming from America or living mostly in in the U.S., um, you don't really talk to the chef or even like your server really. You just kind of sit down and talk amongst your friends. But I think the way that it's uh, set up here, um, it's actually encouraged for you to make conversation with the sushi chef um, while he's preparing your food. And then there's going to be a little interval when he's done preparing all the all the things. But You're still eating a little bit during that time. uh, Do make conversation with the chef. Just kind of, you know, tell them like if if you're coming from overseas, then like oh this is where I'm from. Kind of don't ask like uh, personal questions. They generally frown upon that um, in Japan. I think in most most places. But um, yeah, if you can find a way to converse with them, I think that's a it's a good look. And finally, I think um, many people know this already, but Um, You're going to have a stack of pickled ginger or ginger on uh, On the side and you should be eating a little slice of ginger between each of each piece of sushi Um, It's to cleanse your palate um, Basically to get the full flavor of the next bite Um, And I think I mean I did it and I recommend it. I think it works Um, It can be a little tedious sometimes you got you already have the next piece of sushi that the chef put out on your plate you're like, oh, I want to eat but If you want the full experience eat those little pieces of pickled ginger clean the palate and then you get to have a really cool sushi experience so yeah in any case that was my little kagoshima experience i hope you all um enjoyed listening to it uh let's cut to the current event section the current event section for this week will be about the japanese economy And so the inspiration for this is I was browsing Instagram, as one does, and I've come across a couple of videos at this point of some Japanese people complaining about the Japanese economy not being the best or being in a bad state. And in particular, one video was saying, oh my gosh, look at these happy tourists riding around uh, Tokyo in go-karts. Meanwhile, my economy is bad. Boo-hoo. And so that got me thinking, well, I have an economics degree, so let's investigate How is Japan's economy actually performing? So let's start with the good. So the good is that Japan's economy um, grew at an annualized rate of 6% in the second quarter of 2023. Um, This was measured in GDP, and GDP is one of the kind of best indicators of how an economy is doing. 6% is quite high uh, for, for growth in terms of GDP, annualized growth. Um, In fact, it was double what expectations had predicted. And this kind of uh, 6% boost um, or growth was powered by a weak currency, which meant that exports increased. Um, So if the yen is weak, it means that the dollar can buy more yen. Um, For example, uh, if $1 used to be uh, worth 100 yen, if the yen weakens, it means that $1 can now buy 150 yen which is great for people that are overseas who want to buy Japanese goods that are priced in yen. For example, if there's an apple uh, produced in Japan, it costs 100 yen, before the currency weekend with one dollar, I could buy one apple. But suppose now that one dollar is worth 150 yen, then then I can buy 1.5, 1.5. 100 yen apples. So um, exports, Japanese exports increased, Um, that led to, uh, that contributed to the growth. Um, And also tourism, uh, which kind of, I briefly mentioned the tourists riding around in go-karts, but tourism rebounded to um, 70% of pre-pandemic levels. So getting back up there, um, tourism uh, definitely boosts the economy. So that's kind of a good thing for Japan that um, the tourism sector is recovering. Uh, and it looks like the tourism sector is only going to continue to recover uh, because China recently lifted a group travel ban that it had. And uh, Japan is a popular destination for Chinese tourists. So maybe uh, you know Japan is on the way to getting back to 100% of uh, pre-pandemic uh, tourism levels. So hopefully it gets there. Also, I do want to note that real GDP in Japan is finally back to uh, pre-pandemic terms. I mentioned that annualized uh, GDP, or Japan, grew at an annualized rate of 6% in the second quarter of 2023, Um, so that's nominal GDP. And uh, real GDP, nominal GDP, what you have to remember is the real GDP is looking at GDP but accounting for inflation as well and inflation has been quite high uh, so even though the even though GDP might be growing um, it might not be growing faster than inflation um, in any case I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty of this economic principle right now but just important to remember that um, real and nominal GDP are different and their differences that um, real accounts for inflation. I do want to talk a little bit about the bad, um, I want to quote Stefan Angrick, who is a senior economist at Moody's Analytics in Japan from a New York Times article, uh, who said that there are question marks everywhere. Um, and the reason for that is that right now Japan is in a domestic spending slump. So because Japan's currency is weak, you know, it's great for exporters, great for foreigners who want to buy Japanese goods. But it's also bad, but, or not also bad, but it's bad for uh, Japan's domestic sector, or people living in Japan, uh, because the weak yen, it pushes up the price. You know, if we're looking at the Apple example, um, but reverse it, and we're talking about apples that are priced in U.S. dollars, suddenly those apples have become more expensive. And Japan depends a lot on the global economy, Um, and it buys a lot of things from overseas uh, like energy and just food. And so if uh, those prices are increasing due to a weak currency, that's kind of bad for the domestic economy. Um, This coupled with inflation, uh, which again is supported by a weak yen, has also contributed to the domestic spending slump. Um, And yeah, this uh, domestic spending slump is evidenced by a fall in private consumption so private consumption being just household spending and whatnot um what private individuals spend and which is a big chunk of the japanese economy and so if that is falling it's kind of it's not a good sign essentially and so I do have one more, one more section uh, about the I, that I called the ugly. So I got the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there's nothing too ugly yet, but the problem is that Japan, like I mentioned, is very connected with the international market. Japan is the world's largest creditor, so someone who's owed money, and is also a big debtor as well. Um, Japan's... So, sorry. Um, and So what that means is that when... Worlds uh, when there are world problems, or when one country or the international market is doing well, Japan is doing well. When the international market is doing poorly, that means Japan is also going to be kind of adversely affected. And uh, for example, Japan's largest trading partner, China, is having its own economic problems um, right now. China is uh, facing kind of an economic downturn that is due to kind of a, a problems that arose. In their housing market, and so if your biggest trading partner is facing an economic downturn, um, it does not spell good times for you. Additionally, Europe has been cooling as well a little bit. Cooling meaning that their economy isn't too hot; <laughs> um, it's kind of on a downward trend. And so, because Japan is so linked with the global economy, you know, if one part of the world isn't doing well, then you know it's going to kind of uh, show up. And affect Japan as well. Well, hopefully um, they keep uh, Japan uh, kind of keeps trudging along. They're still the world's third largest economy, um, so they're they're in a good spot. I think behind U.S. and China. Um, you know, unless the ugly actually gets ugly, I don't think there's really a cause for you know large concern yet. Um, but yeah, so overall, if I had to respond to those Instagram videos out there, I would say that yes, some goods. Are increasing in price and it is a little bit harder for the average Japanese uh, citizen or resident but overall uh, the economy isn't doing too poorly um, and so yeah hopefully uh, hopefully and no, no crashes <laughs> knock on wood that would be, that that would be bad for everyone in any case let's cut to the closing section thank you to everyone who's made it this far into the show now it's time for your word and stat of the week. So the word of the week is mujoka, mujoka, which means cute. Um, some people might know it as kawaii. This is a little bit of Tanegashima Ben or part of the Tanegashima dialect. Um, mujoka is just another way to say cute. Um, the reason I had a little bit of the Tanegashima dialect. Taneben um, for this week's word is because uh, my friends who I was in Kagoshima with this week um, who speak good Japanese were telling me that they were having a little bit of difficulty understanding um, the way that some people were speaking to them in Kagoshima City, which I found quite quite amusing. I don't think it was because people were using Mujoka, but it's just one example of uh, the Tanegashima or even Kagoshima dialect your stat of the week is 149.22 this is the current um, as of uh, Sunday the current uh, exchange rate uh, for yen to dollar um, or I should say for one dollar you can get 149.22 yen right now Um, this is one of the highest it's been I think Earlier this year, it peaked at 150 uh, as well, but it kind of went back down um, to upper 130s, low 140s. But recently, um, like I mentioned in the current events section, it's the the yen has been kind of weakening, and uh, it's gotten back up, or it's <laughs> in terms of the dollar has gotten back up to being worth uh, about and 149.22 or almost 150 yen per dollar. I also want to give you all a quick update. I don't think there will be an episode next week. Um, This is episode 10 so I'm going to have a little mid-season break. Um, I'm also in the middle of applying, reapplying to uh, some law schools right now. Um, So a little busy. I might put something out, might not be a full episode but, um, yeah, looking like uh, a break for next week, at least not an ordinary uh, episode. Um, yeah, mid-season break. Uh, I will be back the week after that um, with episode 11. Um, yeah, I'm thinking uh, about 10, 10 episodes per half season and 20 episodes per season. It's looking, like, realistic for me. Um, yeah, but I'll just keep making uh, making new episodes from next week on so uh until then peace and love everyone i hope you all have a wonderful evening this is your host martin clocking out